Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Buddhang Tamang Sanghang Namasami. I'm very happy indeed to be back at uh, BIA. Uh, once uh, again, I feel this is a very uh, valuable uh, institution, a uh, very uh, important center uh, here in uh, Bangkok, in Kungtep uh, Mahanapon. And uh, uh, I'm very uh, glad to have another opportunity to spend uh, an evening uh, with you, you all. Uh, I'll speak in English because I'm uh, a thousand times better in English than I am in Thai. And uh, 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 but if there are words that I use or um, terms that are unclear, then there'll be a time for questions uh, and uh, discussion after. So if anything needs to be clarified, then I. Uh, warmly invite everyone to uh, to ask for things to be made uh, more uh, more clear, more un understandable. So the the theme for this evening: uh, How can I help? Uh, combining compassionate action with a, a peaceful heart. So this is a a question in the lives of, of many people, uh, both here in Asia and also. Uh, in the West, uh, the uh, uh, compassionate uh, initiative, the compassionate impulse in our heart, the wish to be of benefit to others, the wish to say assist and give uh, care and concern, to look after those particularly who are experiencing difficulties. This is a, a strong impulse and also uh, one that is encouraged within uh, Buddhist teachings, also other spiritual traditions uh, there is the encouragement to be compassionate to be caring to be uh, concerned for the well-being uh, of other uh, other people other creatures and uh, for our our whole world but uh, the uh, the problem that many people experience is that then uh, they have a lot of suffering a lot of worry a lot of concern, uh, anxiety, uh, on account of caring uh, for other beings. Uh, that, uh, as, it, as it was said in my biography, I spent uh, a lot of time in California. Uh, the establishment of Avayagiri Monastery in Northern California uh, was um, a long process, and so I was teaching there from about 1990 in the San Francisco Bay Area and, uh, <clears throat> and then after the monastery was established up until uh, 2010 and uh, just as here in Thailand and uh, maybe even more uh, uh, acutely on West Coast America people have uh, a lot of projects caring for other beings looking after poor people, looking after animals Looking after the creatures in the sea, the the the, tr the redwood trees, uh, looking after the environment, and uh, you have 
organizations like Earth First or Save the Whales, uh, Greenpeace, uh, uh, all very, very active, particularly University of California in Berkeley is a big center for all kinds of uh, compassionate activity. And many people, uh, people like Joanna Macy, a very influential writer and Buddhist thinker and teacher, uh, centered in that, that area, very active and uh, encouraging you know, kindness and care and concern for, uh, for the whole living world. But uh, one of the experiences that uh, is very common there in, uh, in the, the United States, also in Britain, and, and uh, talking with people here in Thailand when I, I mentioned this uh, topic for today, uh, people say, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I know what you mean. I, that's an important subject. I'll come along this evening. I want to hear. <laughs> that uh, there's what uh, uh, they, they call on the, the, on the West Coast compassion fatigue. I don't have a, uh, a, a whiteboard to write that down, but compassion fatigue. That means being worn out by caring for all other beings. You've got the redwood trees, you've got the otters, you've got the the sea lions, you've got the whales, you've got the poor people, you've got the homeless people, you've got the uh, <coughs> yeah, everybody, <laughs> along with the regular sick people in the hospital, the old people, the dying people, the newborn people. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, exhausting to be uh, to have an opinion and to be concerned uh, about uh, uh, so many beings. So that that expression is very common. Uh, here in Thailand, we ha uh, you have um, people like uh, Kun Sulak Sivaraksa uh, and the Buddhist Peace Fellowship, uh, that same organization, very concerned to be helpful to other beings, and that's uh, very active on uh, the west coast of the US, uh, USA. And many people, say, part of the Buddhist Peace Fellowship or the um, similar organizations that... Uh, they are very keen to be involved and, and get, uh, say, in, uh, into positions of responsibility where they can have a good effect and, and bring about things that are a benefit to others. But it becomes too much. You know, that you have your meeting about the whales in the morning and the redwoods at lunchtime, the homeless people in the afternoon, and the dying people in the evening. You know, and you know, I'm I'm kind of joking, but not joking. You know that uh, this is a serious issues, and and so then, by the time you get to ten o'clock at night, then you've been at uh, four or five meetings during the day, and your family is saying, "Mom, mom, you know, remember your children. You know, <laughs> we we live with you, mom. You know, you're you're so busy saving the world. Uh, what about us? You know, and." Uh, and so uh, this uh, experience of compassion fatigue, uh, I, I'm not sure what will be a good, uh, a good way of translating that into Thai language, uh, uh, but I'm sure that someone, there's enough creative minds here to come up with a, a good rendering of, of that. Uh, being tired, worn out, nui, nui of with karuna, too much karuna. Now it's a uh, the the, uh, the issue I feel is important to talk about because when we uh, consider 
the, the Buddha's encouragement for us to be compassionate for all beings, he couldn't be uh, uh, encouraging that kind of uh, exhaustion or making ourselves stressed or uh, uh, causing ourselves harm uh, on account of the well-being of, of others. But it's easy to, to misunderstand, uh, and so I thought it would be a good subject for uh, this evening and to look at, to explore. Now, the, the English word compassion comes from the Latin language, the old Roman language, uh, from two parts, com and passio. So com means with or together, and passio means to suffer. So the English word actually encourages you to suffer along with the suffering of others. So compassion means to, to share the suffering with, uh, of another. So it's, uh, it's uh, the very word is saying, yes, you should be, it's good to suffer the same as others do. You're sharing in their suffering. And so, uh, but that's the, um, the, the word that is uh, usually employed to translate karuna. But uh, probably a, a better English word is empathy. Empathy, so that which means more that you are uh, joining together uh, with the uh, the the feeling of another. You are uh, receiving the feeling of another, but there's not that uh, same kind of um, say identification, the the, the um, bonding with that the suffering of another, so that you're able to 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 feel it but not be identified with it. But uh, empathy is not such a common word in, in English, but uh, I feel it's a better translation for uh, karuna. Also the Pali word uh, anukam, uh, anukampa is uh, a, uh, another word that is used in the sutta, like when you make the request for Dhamma talk, anukampimang pajang, uh, that is the out of compassion for the world. So uh, karuna is a uh, a great brightness. It's a what, what is called in Pali a Brahma Vihara or a divine abiding, uh, uh, like a heavenly state of being. So that uh, this is a state of brightness, spaciousness, clarity. It's not kind of me tied up in a painful knot on account of your suffering, but. Uh, uh, like metta, mudita, upeka, these are brahmavihan, the brahmaviharas, which means they are sublime, they're, they're divine, they're radiant, they're spacious, they're, they're a really pure emotion. So karuna, in its essence, in, in Buddhist psychology, is not a state of suffering. It's not, uh, and that uh, in terms of Buddhist psychology, if you are suffering on account of the suffering of another being, then that's that's kind of mitya karuna. That's kind of wrong or biased uh, uh, compassion. It's a distorted uh, compassion. It's a sort of uh, misunderstanding or a misholding uh, of of the quality of karuna or an, anukampa. So, uh, how do we? Uh, go about establishing that quality of karuna, and how come we we get it wrong? You know, what what is uh, the cause of of that kind of distortion, and and how can we 
say, learn how to use karuna without that kind of uh, creation of suffering and worry and stress within ourselves. Well, the uh, the the short uh, version uh, well, uh, is essentially to learn how to practice compassion without the sense of self, without the me and mine. You know, this is a Achan Buddha Dasa Center. You know, me and mine is this kind of gets a lot of attention, <laughs> like problem, problem. <laughs> this is the cause of a lot of uh, uh, difficulties. Uh, me and mine is the big troublemaker. Yeah. It's, uh, and so it's exactly uh, the, um, the case here with the issue of practicing compassion and trying to help others. The more there is me and you, uh, a fixed me here and a fixed you there, then the more that any effort to be helpful, any effort to be, to be kind is going to cause more dukkha, more suffering. There might, you might be able to perform some helpful actions, but you'll create, create stress in yourself and uh, also um, uh, more difficulty in the other. And maybe many of us here have had that experience in the past where I'm trying to help some, you're trying to help someone else and you keep, uh, you, you keep working really hard, you're doing everything you can to be good, to get it right, to be helpful, but the harder you try, the more there is uh, division between you, there's separation, you're, you're apart from the other. And so what do we do? We just try harder. <laughs> do more. I'm not helping, therefore do more. But it's rather like driving further down the wrong road. You took a wrong turn, uh, three miles back, and so, okay, I'm on the wrong road, okay, well, just, I'll just keep going. I haven't got where I want to go, so I'll just you know, go, 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 uh, go further, go faster. So that's what we tend to do. We just, uh, more of, in English, we would say, more of the same wrong thing. I'm sure you could put that in Thai very neatly as well. <laughs> more of the, the, the same wrong thing. And then we, but and eventually we feel uh, frustrated. Well, I'm trying so hard. I'm trying to work out this relationship with my children or my parents or my boss or look after my child or my mother. And uh, no matter how hard I try, uh, we're still not quite uh, uh, having a, a, a quality of, of fulfilled and helpful compassion. And it gets, uh, it brings more tension into the situation. But what is, I would say is the problem is we're not noticing that it's me trying to help you as a tuaton, the, the uh, me and mine. Or in Pali we say ahankara, made of I am, or mamankara. And uh, Tanajan Buddhadasa has talked a lot, the many, many uh, teachings of his about this tuku, uh, konku, me and mine, the troublemaker. I'm sure. Again, I'm sure Thai, la Thai language has a good word for the the the, 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 the source of uh, uh, of trouble, the things that causes the problems. So, uh, uh, what is then essential before, say, talking about uh, karuna or compassion and helpful action? Uh, it's important to understand how we should uh, the attitude towards practicing dhamma, the attitude towards uh, working and acting. Uh, so I'd like to talk about that for a little bit.
Um, now, when we uh, <clears throat> we listen to Dhamma teachings or we read Dhamma books, we see many instructions. You should uh, let go of the kilesa, of the defilements, you should concentrate the mind, be uh, mindful in the present moment, we should um, say develop loving kindness, we should have uh, uh, a lot of uh, wisdom and all of the uh, the instruction seems to be uh, let go of the unwholesome, don't create the unwholesome, create more of the wholesome, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. There's a lot of doing, right? Uh, and so we can be, and when you go on a medita meditation retreat, then the Ajahn is always saying, do this, don't do that, sit still, get up, sit down, walk, <laughs> time to eat, time to listen. Uh, there's a lot of uh, of doing involved in uh, in the uh, uh, the say the development of of um, dhamma practice in trying to be peaceful. There's a lot of doing, and so we can be very faithful in following the instruction. But uh, <clears throat> as long as that doing is based on I I want to get rid of my kilesa. I need to get rid of my angry feelings, I need to stop being lazy, I need to get concentrated, I need to develop uh, jhana, I need to have more wisdom, I need to get rid of my laziness and selfish feelings. All of that, I must, I should, I have, we have to, there needs to be attention paid to that, because what that means is we're practicing the Dhamma based on self-view on Sakaya Ditti, that it's a good intention. Yes, it's good to dapkilate, to let go of the defilements. Yeah, it's good to have samadhi, to have concentration. It's good to have uh, panya, wisdom. Very good, satu, satu, satu. But the what's happening is that your plane is being hijacked by the duodon. The, the effort to practice Dhamma is being based on self-view. I've got a lot of problems. I'm full of fear. I'm full of lust. I'm full of anger. I've got to get rid of my anger and my lust and my, my fear, my jealousy, and then I've got to get more samadhi and get more panya. And so that is practice, practicing Dhamma based on, on self-view. And if you start with self-view, you start with ignorance, avicca, you always end up with dukkha. Easy to remember. You start with avicca, you get dukkha. So instead of practicing uh, based on self-view, uh, I, I should, I must, uh, I've, I've got to get rid of, then we base our practice on dhamma itself. So what is called dhamma nu dhamma patipata, practicing dhamma in accordance with dhamma. You pay, you, there's a practice a way of practicing based on <coughs> on right view rather than self-view. And what this means is that <coughs> we begin uh, or the very effort that we make in any kind of work, any kind of activity, the first thing is to let go of self-view, uh, to, uh, uh, to not let that habit of I and me and mine take shape. So that that needs to be recognized. In the Bali, we call this bhavatanha vibhavatanha. The desire to be, to become, the desire to get rid of. 
So these are the troublemaker. The, this is the, the source of the difficulty. So if that can be recognized and let go of, then we're able to practice based on, on right view. On, uh, uh, say on, uh, and this means to practice based on mindfulness, sati, and wisdom. Sati and panya. So then <coughs> in, it, it can sound very similar. So when we practice, say, right effort, practice based on right view, what it means is that, yes, the, uh, the, the unwholesome, the akuson, the akusala, needs to be restrained to, to, uh, to be, uh, uh, say, to be uh, held back. The, if the unwholesome has arisen, it needs to be let go of. But it doesn't have. But when I say that, uh, we don't need to create a sense of duoton of I and me and mine around that. Just the effort to restrain the unwholesome. That this is say, the idea. Oh, uh, selfishness is unhelpful. Therefore, it needs to be restrained. Or if selfish feelings have arisen, then the satipanya can recognize. Oh, this is a selfish feeling. This is an angry feeling. This is a jealous feeling. We don't have to say, I am jealous. I am angry. I've got a problem with fear. But, oh, fear has arisen. Jealousy has arisen. Anger has arisen. And we don't need to add the duoton, the I and me and mine to that. Similarly, with it's good to create, to cultivate metta. It's good to develop concentration, samadhi. It's good to develop panya. Yes, uh, those are wholesome qualities to bring into being, to give birth to. But we don't have to create those as me. I need more uh, metta. I am practicing panya. I am being wise. I am, uh, I am being awake. Uh, we don't have to add the I and me and mine to them. The wholesome qualities can be developed and then maintained, the uh, anurakana, to support without the duaton. So uh, this might sound a bit technical, but uh, this is a really important element of practice because if we, if we, it's like you set your GPS to the right starting place, you know, you, start, you know where you're starting from, so but then <coughs> you, you get a good direction from your GPS, your tom-tom. Yeah? If you set it to the wrong starting place, then it gives you the wrong instructions. You know, you start. You're not starting from where uh, you are, you actually are. So when we uh, say develop this sense of acting, working, practicing based on on right view, on mindfulness and wisdom, then the effort that we make is <coughs> uh, is in tune with dhamma. And so if you start off with right view. The result is peacefulness, is clarity, is nibbana. Okay, so easy to remember. You start off with ignorance, avicca. You end up with dukkha, suffering. You start off with vicca, with right view. You end up with nibbana. You can, you, it's a easy. You can put that on your your fridge. Put on the T-shirt. Okay. You start out with ignorance, you end up with dukkha. Start out with with wisdom, you end up with nibbana. So this is when we want to be helpful, and we want to practice karuna, 
and yet for that not to be a, a burden, this is the important thing, to look at that tuoton, that feeling of I and me and mine. Because as long as it's me trying to help you, the, the, there'll always be dukkha in the mix. But rather, that if we can see, well, this is the experience of, uh, of uh, a dukkha, this, I, there's a perceiving of difficulty, of suffering, um, and then there is a, not a, 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 a creating of a sense of me and you, but more the, uh, there is a, a response can be brought forth in us based on, on mindfulness and wisdom. Many years ago, uh, one of the nuns in our community was going back to visit her parents in, uh, in, the, in Scotland. And her family were very negative about her being a nun. They were sort of conservative Presbyterian Christians. And they uh, were so against their daughter being a, a nun, they wouldn't let her in the house without a hat on. They wouldn't let her shaved head be in the, seen in their house. So she used to have to wear a little woolly, her woolly hat if she was with them. So they were very uh, negative. And so, and, but she's a very caring and kind person and was very concerned to not have a negative or difficult relationship with her parents or to cause them more suffering. So she was very worried about trying to get it right and what's the, the, the best way of being with the family. And uh, and so one day she was about to go back and visit them, and at the Santanatham, uh, the tea time uh, question time with uh, Lumpur Sumato, uh, she said, uh, yeah, <clears throat> she asked the question, yeah, uh, what's the what's the best way that we can help our parents? Uh, and uh, the response that uh, Lumpur Sumato gave was. Uh, it was absolutely wonderful because you could tell he he hadn't thought about it before. It just came out of the jitwang, out of the empty mind, and uh, and he just said the kindest thing that you can do for your parents is not to create them. Understand? Don't to not create them, which doesn't mean you go and shoot them. You know, <laughs> it means that. You're not carrying around, oh, my mom, my dad, they're like this, I'm like that. I want to, to, to get things right so that they will be happy. Because uh, it's not that we don't care, but if I create you, that means when I meet you, I just meet my creation. I don't meet you. I've got my set of ideas, my list of, oh, you know, this person is like this, you know, Ed is like that, you know, uh, Nong is like this. I have my list. So I don't meet you, I meet my list, right? And in English we use the word projection for this. We just create projections and maybe we care a lot. We worry a lot, so our list of projections is really big, <laughs> really thick. So uh, we're not able to attune to another, we're not able to be in, uh, in harmony with another because we're so busy trying to get it right I'm trying to get it right for you, that the, the, the air is filled with all of that projection and we can't really meet uh, and uh, affect each other beneficially. So uh, that is, uh, say, important for us to understand how to not 
create each other, not because we don't care, but because that's the way our caring is most uh, completely fulfilled. Now, there's a, 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 a number of years ago, and when I was living in California, there was uh, a, a um, friend and a supporter of the monastery, and it was one of the uh, uh, the group of lay people that were trained to be like lay Dhamma teachers uh, by Lompo Pasanno and myself. Uh, his name was Kundanya. And uh, he had a, a massage, it's a traditional massage school, body work, and uh, a physical therapy school in uh, San Francisco and Berkeley. And uh, <coughs> he uh, had um, cancer of the uh, of the bowels and uh, and died when he was in his early 50s and uh, one of his students uh, was living in Taiwan and so she couldn't come to the funeral so she wrote a letter uh, that she asked to be read out at his funeral and there was uh, things that she shared in that letter and uh, of appreciation about Kundanya as her teacher that uh, I feel were extremely valuable uh, and insightful principles. So I, I, uh, when I, I'm invited to talk on this area of compassionate action, I like to quote Kandanya. You know, he, he is a, a, lay, a lay person, but I feel that the wisdom that he developed was extremely valuable. So the, this woman, her name was Rachel. Uh, Rachel Starbuck, like the coffee Starbuck. <laughs> but uh, she had the name before the coffee chain opened up. So. <laughs> So uh, she said, my name is Rachel Starbuck. I was a student of Kundanya for many years, and uh, I'm sorry I cannot be at his funeral, but uh, I want to express my gratitude and, and share with everyone present uh, how he uh, affected my life deeply. And she said that Kundanya would um, emphasize three principles when training his students, and uh, said three things to understand when working with others, so doing a physical therapy or um, other kind of massage or, or uh, uh, working with others. So the principle number one is don't push, just use the weight of your own body. So not kind of pushing, but just to lean. And when you're doing massage or your phys uh, physiotherapy, physical therapy, don't push, just use the weight of your own body. Don't diagnose, just be aware. Uh, again, I'm not sure if you understand the word diagnose, like a doctor says, oh, this is your problem, I know what your disease is, you've got this, 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 and this, and it's because of this cause. So doctors, many, probably a few doctors here, you know, you're paid to have all the answers, right? And so the doctor is supposed to be able to say, this is the cause, this is the problem, this is the cure. Uh, but uh, the encouragement was don't diagnose, just be aware so that you're attuning, you're listening to the situation, you're receiving all of it rather than I know what the answer is. <laughs> don't diagnose, just be aware. Don't try to help is the third one, but don't turn away. So three principles. Don't push, just use the weight of your own body. Don't diagnose, just be aware. Don't try to help, but don't turn away. So uh, uh, these, I feel, are extremely skillful principles. 
And then Rachel went on to explain how uh, you know she'd heard Kandanya speak of these uh, very often. She'd written them down in her notebook in, during the classes. Uh, she said, but they really came alive for her when she was on her first 10-day meditation retreat and she was extremely miserable, very, very unhappy. So about fourth or fifth day of the retreat and she's really depressed, everything has gone wrong, she, uh, she feels awful. She said, I felt dreadful. I went in the breakfast time to the the most uh, the far corner of the dining room. I took my my oatmeal, my porridge, sat down in the corner and was just kind of crying into my oatmeal. And then Kandanya, who was on the retreat as well, uh, and of course you're not supposed to speak at all. So Kandanya came and she said he just brought his own oatmeal and he sat down next to her. She said he didn't look at me. He didn't kind of make any kind of sign. He didn't sort of squeeze my arm or say, you know, you look miserable, you know, uh, you know, how can I help? <laughs> he said, he didn't look at me, he didn't touch me, he just sat down next to me and he ate his oatmeal. Just, that's all. He was just there. No, no sign, no message, just he was there next to me. And she said, and I found that so helpful and so comforting that, uh, it really stayed with me. So a few years later, my uh, her younger sister was about to give birth to her first child. So this is a big event in the family. So uh, Rachel said, I, I went to birthing classes, so to be a birth assistant, to help the, be with the, the midwife and my sister while she's having her child. And said, so during the birth, my sister is in labor and she's screaming and screaming in intense pain. She didn't want anyone near her, didn't want anyone to touch her, just... I haven't given birth to any children in this lifetime, but probably in other lifetimes we've all been each other's mothers, you know. So, yeah, you probably gave birth to me a few times, I've given birth to you a few times, so we've probably all been there in some life or another. So she was then this little sister and screaming with pain and then she suddenly remembered what Kandanya did for her. So she just went into the room and she sat down at the end of the bed. Didn't kind of make eye contact with her sister, didn't say anything. Just went in, sat down by her feet at the end of the bed and just did nothing. After the her sister had the baby, then she said you know, that was so helpful. I was in the middle of that uh, labor thing. <laughs> and in that, all of that kind of total pain experience, it was so helpful that you just came and you sat there and you, and you, you were just present. And uh, thank you for that. And she said, and now uh, when I see my sister with her two-year-old son, and he's really unhappy, and he's screaming and cranky and upset, and she's just holding him, and she's just there. She's not trying to make him happy, not trying to fix him, but she's present, and she's holding him, and he can just have his tantrum, as they call it. And so she said, in that I see Kandanya's life and the embodiment of his teaching coming down from one generation to another. And you can be sure that 
that little boy when he's uh, probably a teenager by now, that uh, those principles are also kind of uh, resonating, moving out from his experience into the lives of others. So this is, a, 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 I feel, these are really good principles to embody because they, in a way, in the more human terms, they talk about how to work but without atta, how to uh, engage. You, you are not saying, I understand, I've got the answer, I'm going to fix this, but you're still there. And it's not like you don't care, it's not like you don't bother, or it's like, your problem, I'm just going to sit here. <laughs> but yeah, you do care. But you're, uh, and you're ready to act if you need to act, but you're also able to leave things alone if you need to leave it alone. So when we are able to, uh, to get, uh, let go of that feeling of, of, uh, of creating others, trying to fix others, trying to make everything all right for you, you know, uh, uh, then we're able to find that sense of, uh, and, and to trust that sense of I do care, and in this, at this moment I'm I'm paying attention, and I'm I'm listening. I'm watching to see is there something to be done? Is there nothing to be done? If there's something to be done, what is a, what's a good thing right now? Now many of us we create a lot of stress and suffering in trying to help others by this what we call in the Western psychology the super ego saying. It's the thing that says, you should. That's the superego. Like, you know, a perfect child, if you were a good daughter, you should. If you were the ideal son, you should. If you were a good father, you should. If you were the good, you know, if you were a good doctor, if you were a good Ajahn, you should. <laughs> That's the superego, and that often runs our life. We put the superego in charge, and so then what we find is we're never good enough. It's never, we're not perfect enough. We're always trying to, to be this perfect person, like a Prabhupada you know, a Buddha image. The, same, the Buddha hasn't moved since I was here last year. Still. Perfect samadhi. Never even scratches the ear. Doesn't need to eat. Doesn't get sore knees. Doesn't need to breathe. But we, we, we try to be like a Buddha image. We say, the perfect me, the perfect father, the perfect mother, the perfect doctor, teacher, I, uh, the perfect child. Uh, we would be uh, never making any mistakes, always perfect, like the Buddha image. Peaceful, calm, wise. But it's not alive. It's an ideal. It's not real. It's, it's a... Uh, an, uh, an image, rupa, it's a rupa, <laughs> it's not alive. And so that it's good to have a Buddha rupa, we, they're useful, that's why we always have them in a high position. We, uh, it's useful to have an ideal, but, we, uh, but the real life is, is this one. <laughs> the breathing, eating, uh, imperfect uh, life, that's, that's the one we work with. So, in that recognizing uh, of the ideal, we, we recognize, yeah, if if I could uh, uh, if I could help, if I could fix this, then uh, I would. But I have limits. I have a capacity. There's a coquette. You have to 
to know what your capacity is, but also to trust that uh, you know you are doing the best you can. Now, uh, when I was a, a novice many years ago, I've, I've been uh, a monk, uh, as I said, since uh, uh, 1978. I became a novice at Wat uh, Bhaya uh, and during that time, uh, there was a very interesting uh, meeting that uh, encounter that I had was. Ever since I was a small child, I, I had a lot of compassion. Yeah, I, I used to feel very strongly for other creatures. Yeah. When I was a child, I was not allowed to watch the Walt Disney movie Bambi because uh, uh, they, they wouldn't let me see it because the, the mother deer gets killed at the beginning of the story. And they, they, I found out later when I was in my 30s, they told me, well, we, uh, I said, Hey, you know, I was on this plane and I, I on a plane ride and I saw Bambi and I said, and I, I kind of rem do I remember right that uh, you, you know you uh, you wouldn't let me watch that when I was small and my mother said, oh yes, we wouldn't let, yeah you uh, we wouldn't let you watch it. I said, well, why was that? Well, because if you'd seen it, you'd just have been in tears for a week. Or the whole family would have to deal with you in a, uh, having a. a um, uh, a state of, of trauma for a you know, couple of weeks, so we just said, no, you can't watch Bambi. It's true. So I didn't see Bambi till I was about 35. And even watching Heidi, uh, the, which is not that tragic, but uh, my mother said that she came into the the living room of the house, we, uh, and there was my two sisters and sitting watching the, the black and white TV and the Heidi and the, the the children in the Swiss mountains, and uh, but I was sitting there with tears running down my face. Uh, oh, because Heidi's trying to help this poor little sick girl, and uh, so I had a lot of uh, of karuna, but it was a kamicha karuna, <laughs> uh, and so I would feel very responsible for the suffering of others, and that. If I knew someone, or there was another animal or creature that was suffering, uh, <clears throat> I took it as my responsibility to help them, to fix them. And if they weren't fixed, it was my fault. Maybe some of you are thinking, yes, <laughs> that's right. You know, If you know, and, and they're still suffering, you should try harder, you should do more. It is your fault. So, but I, uh, so this was a big... So spiritual question for me through my teens. So this this a conversation that happened when I was a samanen at uh, at Wat Nanacha was this one day uh, uh, the 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 meal time is early in the morning about eight eight thirty. So by about ten o'clock everything is tidied up and people have gone. Um, usually no one is around in the meeting hall the sala. So I I happened to be there and. Um, uh, everyone else had gone. I was just uh, sweeping up or something, and this uh, this Thai uh, middle-aged man came to visit, and he was a soldier. Uh, and so uh, unusual at that time, he was able to speak some English. Uh, usually, the in the northeast, the people who came to the Wat didn't have any English, and I didn't speak any Thai at all. But anyway, he was a soldier, as a colonel, and coming to visit the area heard about Wat Nanacha, just took the opportunity to come and see the place. So we got chatting, and I'm the kind of person always ready to chat with anybody, everybody. You know. 
I'm a verbal kind of a person, chatty. Uh, so we got talking, and um, and for, somehow we got uh, into conversation about helping other people and being a helpful person. And uh, the the way I was speaking was uh, was yeah, you know, as I was described. Though I always want to help others, but I always feel upset or, or sad because I can't. Uh, I can't help others, or I see like a, a dog in the village has got bad skin disease, or is very hungry, um, or an old person, and they're kind of really bent over and they can't walk properly, and and so it would make me <coughs> suffer a lot that I, I couldn't help them. And then this this gentleman uh, made this comment. He said, and he kind of looked at me like, that's strange. He said, and I said, well, because you know, I'd like to, I'd like to do to be able to do more. I'd like to really be able to help, but I can't. And then he and he said, and he wasn't trying to be so special or or clever. He just said, well, you know, I see I see it very differently because I know that if I could do more, I would do more, but I can't, so I don't make a problem out of it. And it was completely obvious to him. It was so uh, so matter of fact. Like, well, I, I know I, if I could help, I would. I could fix it, I would. But I can't. If I can't fix something, then why why would I suffer about that? Because then you got two suffering beings instead of one. And again, he wasn't trying to be clever or be superior, but it was just like. Uh, so obvious to him. I don't know who he was. I never saw him again. But I thought, oh. And it was this this feeling of like where you you have a uh, you're, you're trying to put a a a, a shape into a, a box. I'm looking for the box to put that in, like in my thoughts. And I thought, and I couldn't find a place to put that. I'd never had that thought in my life. It was like my my mind had never thought in that way. My whole lifetime, ever since I could start thinking, uh, it was just uh, amazing to me. Like, uh, but it, to him, his expression was so sort of, yeah, naturally. Well, isn't this isn't that obvious? Why why would you suffer over something that you can't do? And so that had a very powerful effect on me, and uh, it was very helpful to see. Yeah, you uh, you because he trusted that. Yeah, I'm not being unkind. It's not that I don't care. I do care. I care a lot. But you know, there's a limit to what I can do. If the limit was was bigger, I'd do more. But the, at the moment, today, the limit is like this. So he said, if I can lift a thirty a rock of thirty kilos, I can lift. But I uh, um, but I can't lift a rock of fifty kilos. I know thirty kilos is the limit. So I don't suffer because I can't lift fifty. I'm happy I can live 30, uh, and maybe I can do more exercise and <laughs> learn. But today, that's the limit. That's what I can do. So I don't create suffering of being not able to do uh, things that are outside of, of my my capacity. So that, I feel, is important. And, and, uh, along with letting go of the duoton, uh, the self-motivation uh, for, for practice, to let go of self and be guided instead by satipanya, mindfulness and wisdom, then uh, along with that, there's this 
sense of trusting, having the sadha that uh, you do care. And even if someone is saying like, you're not worrying, therefore you don't care. <laughs> right? Sometimes it's like that. You know, if you really cared, you'd be upset. Right? And uh, it's important to try to, to not be intimidated by that. Say, well, you're welcome to your opinion. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> That's how you see things. But uh, I do care. And no, I'm not upset. <laughs> but, uh, well, like in, 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 uh, in the States, they also have an expression of uh, if you're not angry, you're not paying attention. Like, so, well, that's your opinion. <laughs> you are welcome to that opinion. People, it's, um, if they want to project judgments on you, that's their business. So this morning I was having a conversation with someone and saying, you know, it's important to learn how to be misunderstood. You know? That if someone is saying, if you really cared, you'd be upset. You'd be, uh, you'd be as angry as me. Oh, you'd be upset, you'd really be uh, annoyed. And to, to uh, listen to that, to receive that and say, yeah, well, thank you for sharing. <laughs> that's your feeling or that's your opinion. You're completely entitled to that, but I'm confident that, that I do care. You might see it differently, but I do care, but no, I'm not worried. <laughs> I'm not angry or upset. Uh, I care, and I'm doing what I can, but uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not angry or upset, and so it's a maybe a subject for a whole different dhamma talk. But I feel this is a really important practice: is to be misunderstood and misrepresented. People say, "Oh, this is what Yom uh, Tim. This is what she thinks. So this is uh, uh, what uh, Mr. Sandeep. He's like this." And let me tell you all about him, or Jan Plern, she's like that, you know. And then give you a long list of their projections. And you say, oh, interesting. <laughs> Thank you for sharing, as they say in California. Uh, <clears throat> that, uh, okay, well, that's, that's, your pro that's the projection that you wish to put on me, fine. But we can not have to defend ourselves not make our happiness dependent on other people seeing ourselves in the way we want to be seen. Because if, if, my, if my happiness depends on you seeing me as I would like you to see me, it's going to be really difficult to be happy. <laughs> but uh, instead, to have the trust, the confidence that I, I'm doing what I can, it's not perfect, it's not absolutely right, but I'm doing what I can. If you want to give me some good advice and tell me how to do it better, Satu, thank you. I'm happy to receive your advice. I'll do what I can with it. So, uh, <clears throat> in this way, we're learning to to respond to situations rather than react, and to and I feel to if you want to be helpful, to have confidence that uh, we're doing what we can, and that if our our capacity to do more or to do things differently it can be improved, that we're ready to learn. We're not sort of uh, proud or who do you think you are? Or, you know, I know my job. <laughs> but uh, to be ready to be corrected. Okay, one of the most important books I've read recently by uh, a, a doctor 
is by a Sri Lankan doctor called Atul Gawanda. I recommend this. This is really good reading because, again, many of you are doctors and probably you, uh, if you are a consultant, then you really have to be right all the time. And it's your job to be confident. You're the one they consult. You're a consultant. So you've got to get it right. And, you, and so you have the tuaton yayai. It's quite normal for a consultant. You know, the, in the, the UK, they would often have the nice big moustache, you know, be very proud. Uh, so this book is called Complications. He's written a number of kind of popular science books, but this is the one that I read. It's called Complications, and it's about the mistakes that doctors make and the, uh, the limits of knowledge and the limits of capacity to help. Uh, and I thought, this is wonderful. A doctor, a working doctor, you know, writes a book about all the things that they get wrong or the things that are difficult. And, and each chapter has a different theme, like making a, when you make a wrong diagnosis, when you find out, I got it wrong, and the patient is really harmed by your wrong diagnosis. Or when um, a patient can't be cured, when you get the right diagnosis, but you can't fix it. Or what do you do when the consultant has got an alcohol problem, but he's really famous, and the head of the department, but he's drunk. <laughs> what do you do? How do you work with that complication? And uh, it's, uh, I feel if, if uh, I'm not promoting book sales, but uh, because there's, a, I think, a, a really important principle within that, that how marvelous that someone who's supposed to be an authority is uh, ready to learn and ready to recognize the, um, the kind of limitations uh, and uh, that in terms of helping others, that, that uh, humility, that sense of, yeah, there are complications. You don't always get it right. We make mistakes. We can't always fix it. Um, life is complicated. <laughs> And we are not in control. You know, the, uh, even though a doctor, you know, I'm not just picking out doctors, but you know, university professors of other kinds, uh, teachers, we're supposed to be the expert. Ajahn, you know, it's my, my title is Ajahn, you know, that you're supposed to be an explainer. You know, Acharya, that's the job description, you know. So I'm supposed to explain to you, you know, therefore I'm supposed to understand. But then, uh, every so often we, we get a, a situation where we don't understand. We can't explain. You know, it's, it's not within our ability. And uh, I, I feel it's important to, uh, to recognize you know, some things can't be fixed. And the way that we help is to recognize, I don't know what to do here. I have no answer for this. The, I don't know uh, what, the, uh, what the, the best way forward is. That's the way that we help. Can be to say, I don't know. <laughs> or uh, there's nothing I can do here. There's a, um, but also, you know, sometimes that's uh, the, the, the right thing that, that, uh, to do is also to, to recognize, just leave things alone. There's a famous, uh, well-known Dhamma teacher who was, uh, uh, with his stepmother as she was dying 
and uh, he he had written a number of of books. He's quite well known for giving advice to to the dying, and uh, would lead seminars and workshops on death and dying. As an American uh, Dharma teacher called Ramdas, out of the Hindu tradition, and so his mother, his stepmother, was dying, and here he is. I'm the expert. I've written books about death and dying, so you know I'm. I'm, you know, I know, I know my stuff here. So he's sitting by the bedside of his stepmother, and uh, and he's giving her this guided meditation, say uh, about staying with the breath and breathing in, the, you know, breathe, uh, visualizing the the light of pure wisdom, breathing in the light and letting go of all of your worries, anxieties, and giving her this whole kind of extensive guided meditation. And uh, and he tells this story himself, so it's not just uh, uh, put pit. I'm not kind of criticizing him, but he tells the same story. So he's giving his his mother this kind of long and involved guided meditation, and <clears throat> and after about half an hour, he kind of pauses for breath, and and she turns her head to him and says, "Ramdas, be quiet." <laughs> <laughs> Right, I was being the expert, you know. I, I, I've written books about this, you know. I, I, I'm Mr. I'm Death and Dying, you know. I, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I know how this should be. And, and so she had the wisdom to recognize, just leave it alone. I, I just, uh, some quietness and uh, an absence of explanation would be good. So sometimes that's uh, the, the wisdom is that, uh, to just leave things alone. And the, the way we can help is just be to be still and to. Uh, but then, out of that stillness, we're also listening. And the, in the, the northern Buddhist tradition, uh, in the Phai Mahayan, the they have uh, the different uh, bodhisatt bodhisattvas that uh, are um, represent different baramita. So, like the bodhisattva of wisdom is Manjushri. Um, has a, a flaming sword to cut off uh, avicca, ignorance. And the uh, Samantabhadra is the bodhisattva of, of strength, of virya, of uh, aditana. And then the bodhisattva of compassion is uh, um, the uh, guanyin, uh, guanyin bodhisattva, or guanxiyin bodhisattva, guanyin, pasatai. Uh, and the, the, the words, uh, the Sanskrit name is Avalokiteshvara, or Chinese is uh, Guanxi Yin. Uh, and that means the, the one who listens to the sounds of the world. So the, the embodiment of compassion is represented by listening, the one who listens. And when you see images of Guan, uh, Guan, uh, Guan Yin, sometimes it's just a human female figure. Sometimes they have uh, many, many arms, a thousand arms with a, with a, a thousand hands and, a, and an eye in the palm of each hand. But the name is the one who listens. So I feel this is in terms of helping others and uh, learning to help with a peaceful heart, then Guan Yim is a, a good image. That there is the, 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 at the center of it is the listening heart. Listening. And then you have the hands, the many hands and eyes, a thousand hands and eyes that can, ready to act in different ways to help. 
but uh, exactly what is needed in any one moment is minor, is uncertain. It depends on the attunement, the, the, the quality of listening. And so, uh, uh, and Guan Yin is uh, a bodhisattva of compassion, but uh, she's not suffering on account of the, the, the dukkha, the suffering of other beings, but uh, she's caring, ready to help, uh, but not creating dukkha. And then uh, also in the hands, if you see the traditional images of, of uh, Guan Yin or Avalokiteshvara, some of the hands, they have like a, a lotus flower or a dharma book, a sutra, but some, some hands have like swords and arrows and whips. <laughs> Because sometimes the, the right thing to do is to be, be fierce or be strong. You know, if you're, again, going back to the doctors, you know, doctors, we, they have a knife. <laughs> and it's sometimes it's a really, you're really glad that the doctor has a knife. When you need surgery, you, uh, and it's good that the doctor has a good, sharp knife. <laughs> that, that sometimes that's the appropriate way that compassion is carried out. You know, I have a, a four-inch scar on my neck here. Yeah. The, from an operation I had uh, many years ago, I had a lymph gland that died. So I'm glad that the doctor stuck a knife in my neck. Otherwise, I'd had a really big problem. <laughs> so sometimes that is how karuna is carried out with a with a uh, you know, a sharp knife with a weapon. Sometimes it's carried out with a flower, with a, uh, a blessing, you know, a uh, sweet dew of of comfort and. But what is the right thing uh, in any one moment for any one situation? It depends on that quality of satipanya, of attunement to the time, the place, the situation. So I will leave my uh, offering of uh, Dhamma teachings there and uh, I hope some things are useful and you can take them with you and anything that is not useful please uh, leave behind. Anyone? <laughs>